Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, good to speak with you again. It's uh, it, 2020 continues. Uh, sports can continue to be in disarray in terms of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 not playing. The NBA is boycotting after the, the violence in Wisconsin. Kyle, it's 2020, man. Every day is an adventure, isn't it? You forgot the, uh, the two hur- hurricanes in Louisiana. Oh gosh, yeah, those those look brutal. Yeah, that's, not going to be really bad. Not good. I was thinking. I know we're going to talk about this later, but I was thinking about. So today's August twenty seventh. This time last year, we were what three days away from OSU's first game, four days away, something like three, that. Yeah. And I remember being on this podcast basically three hundred and sixty five days ago, and I predicted that that Drew Brown would start like all twelve games. Do you remember that? No. I well, first of all, I'm a moron. Second of all. That feels like 50 years ago. And just talking about inconsequential stuff like backup quarterbacks and third string uh, safeties and, you know, all this different stuff. It just, it's really like, I, and we can, again, we can get into it later on, but some of the football stuff just still feels so far away. And so I don't know. I'm just not that, I can't get myself fired up for it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it just it feels so distant. Um, I mean, there's games like what next week or th- this week. Uh, there's some like FCS games I think that are being played like in, a, in the coming days. It doesn't yeah. feel like we're going to be able to watch college football anytime soon. But you did write a column about that about how you just can't quite get fired up. You were communicating with OKC Dave for his annual survey, which that's one of my favorite times of the year is when the survey comes out. It gets me fired up for football. Stuff season how the OSU fans are feeling about the year and I'm with you man it it just not only does it seem like you know because the season isn't going to start until like what the second week of September first week yeah. of September something like that and so it feels distant already and then there's that looming fear of is this season even going to happen I think that's probably that's probably deterring a lot of your excitement isn't it yeah I think so and I think that even even these sort of glimmers of hope or um, normalcy, I guess, uh, sometimes they just serve as a reminder of how abnormal everything is. And so it, it, it sometimes is like, okay, well, this should be kind of a reprieve from everything. And yet it's only reminding me of how bizarre everything else like actually is. And so even like the good stuff is is sort of shrouded in in kind of bad or frustration or abnormalcy, and so I I don't know I I, I I'm curious to see how I feel yeah. and kind of how some of this goes once games do start and and if they uh, continue. It's been interesting to watch from afar, kind of these universities and campuses. I saw somebody on Twitter say like the the language they used was reverse engineer these bubbles for college football teams, which is I, I mean, we can get into like how that's a little weird, but also not necessarily unwise. I, I, I don't know. But I, yeah, I just, the, the whole thing is 
it's just abnormal. And I think anytime you have that, it leads to kind of um, just feeling out of like, there's just no equilibrium right now, I think. Uh, breaking news on the pod, Kevin Clintworth just posted a photo of the stadium, Boone Pickens Stadium with social distance seating. It's got like those chair backs, you know, groups of like four separated by several feet. So it's a very, very 2020 way to look at the stadium. It's a very interesting uh, uh, look there. But to your point about the bubble, I mean, I, that's my main concern, Kyle, is I think OSU and OU both have done a really good job in terms of testing, keeping their guys quarantined together, and they've really limited the the positives. I mean, I, I know OU you just had a somewhat of an outbreak in a position group but that that's my fear though Kyle's with the students back on campus fully uh these coaches and players I think they're going to be responsible I mean I I don't think they're going to go to that bar that we saw in Stillwater that was shoulder to shoulder jam-packed I think Trey Sterling was like yeah I'm not going to class on Monday if this is what my fellow students are doing yeah uh, they can take online classes as much as they can but I don't know Kyle I, I think once the you know they're fully mingling on campus it's just it's it's ripe for an outbreak. And that's, that's probably tempered most of my excitement is I just, I can't envision a scenario where these guys are going to class on campus and don't get it at some point and how many will get it. That's, that's the number one concern. Well, I think that's the thing where you look at major league baseball and you're like, okay, are we going to have games canceled? Are we going to stop and start and pause? And if that, I mean, it just, yeah, all of that. I mean, it, it is interesting because you look at the NBA and they have created this sort of impenetrable bubble that has worked. And you just can't – because you can't do that elsewhere, and, and specifically within, you know, the amateur athletic model, the, co the college sports, um, you, you just set yourself up to have all the starts and stops to where it just feels like, why are we even doing this at all? Yeah. Well, I think the Big 12 did a really good job by building in those bye weeks. I think OSU has three. Most teams have three, and they're spaced out, I think, for that reason. In case that happens, that at least buys you a, an extra week or so to try to, you know, come up with a depth chart with, with certain position groups who have, who have contracted it and all that. So it's, it's a headache. It's a mess. We hope the season will happen. But um, they did – Kyle, they did come out with an AP poll. OSU with their highest-ranking preseason – Maybe ever. No, not ever. They were, oh, I know. they were, uh, it's been, 15th? yeah, they were 15th. It's been since, what was it? 2013. They were 13th, I believe. And I think that's the highest, or that's the only time I think they've been ranked in the top 15 since then. They, ha they had a, they had an interesting run, you know, at the end of kind of the 2000s into 2011, 2013, where they were in the top 15, like four times in seven years, four times in six years, somewhere around that number. And they really haven't had that type of, in terms of the ranking, they haven't had that type of preseason success, if you want to call it that, since then. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what's really going to be interesting, Carson, they're going to be ranked in the top 10 almost automatically after the Tulsa game. Because you've got all these Big Ten and Pac-12 teams dropping out and you're automatically going to move up four spots, five spots, whatever it is, into the top 11, 10 in the country. So all of a sudden going into conference play, you're a top 10 team, even though it's a little asterisky because you don't have the Ohio State, the Oregon, uh, the USC, all those teams competing. Do you know why this season's like my, my dream scenario? 
No Iowa? No, no Big Ten. No <laughs> Iowa. None of this nonsense that Iowa hasn't played anybody and all of a sudden, oh, well, they're undefeated. We got to put them in the top ten. I don't, have to, I don't have to hear about slow Big Ten teams that are allergic to the forward pass. That's, that's bad for our podcast content, though. Yeah, but it's good for my, my sanity. I just <laughs> – when they come out with the playoff rankings and you see all these Big Ten teams that really haven't faced a, a quarterback who can complete a 20-yard out route, it's just – it just goes all over me. So, But I, I do think it's interesting that the, the Big 12, I think, Kyle – I don't want to say big winner, but I, I do think they've earned a lot more respect lately. We've talked on previous shows about the money, the revenue that the Big 12 generated, but I kind of think they're viewed above the Pac-12 and the ACC just in terms of foot, pure football, which the Big 12's kind of been poked fun at for the last decade just because they, they quote-unquote don't play defense. But I, I think the Big 12's kind of elevated their status somewhat above the ACC, who's really just Clemson and the 11 Dwarfs. And the Pac-12, who really – the Pac-12 is terrible. They, they always stink in bowl games, and no one really cares about football out there. Who are you going to pick I, on this have you year? Seen the, have you seen the Pac-12 stadium during their, their Pac-12 championship games? Looks like a high school sta- – looks like a high school attendance. Yeah, it's no like – No one cares. Who, who, who plays this week in Tulsa? Is it Bixby U- Union? Something like that, sure. I think I think that's right. I think I was on with with uh, Bill Haston and and Caden McFarlane and oh, they're deep in that then. Yeah, they're, they're ha- deep ha- in the Tulsa game. Haston was fired up about. I think it's I think it's Union Bixby either. Yeah, this, I don't I cover Tulsa football, so I'm, I think it's I'm this not weekend. as fired up. Well, it's cool because Bixby's you know they're a lower class, but they're so good that they could probably compete. So that'll be a fun game. Yeah. Um, okay, so I've got the so. Uh, Okay, first of all, I need to say this because I forgot to say it off the top. Uh, Chris's University Spirit, Carson. They're sponsoring this podcast. We forgot to work them in. We're, we're, I mean, the, the longer this podcast goes on, the more unprofessional it gets, uh, the more disorganized it gets. It's not great. But look, they're selling masks. They're selling really cool masks with the Curse of Cowboys, with Oklahoma State logos. Go get a mask. Wear a mask. Let's have a college football season. If you're a student at OSU, uh, don't, don't go to the strip. Don't, don't spread this on campus at OSU. And if you're going to class, if you're on campus, if you're going to games, just wear a mask and get it from Chris's University Spirit. Um, okay. Do you have anything to add to that? I've seen uh, Doug Gottlieb rocking the, uh, the Curse of Cowboys mask. So that's get, sweet. Get one of those. Those are yeah, cool. And that's awesome. Ricky, Ricky's got the Pistol Pete mask. I'm not sure if you can get that at Chris's or not, but that's pretty cool too. Yeah. What did you, uh, what did you think about him wearing that? I thought it was great. It was on brand. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was really cool. Bye now, we, we, can go, we can go another 20 minutes on, on Ricky and where he's at with his career, but he do, he's always repping the orange, and you got to love that. Yes, that's, we'll leave it at that. Uh, I was wrong, by the way. They were ranked 10th preseason coming into 2017. So 13th in 2013 and 10th in 2017. That was the year – that was the TCU opener at home loss, correct? Yeah, and I think – I think Rudolph was on the cover of SI. They, I, think, I think Sports Illustrated picked OSU to make the playoff that year. There was a lot of expectations. They lost three home games. Tough. Uh, so here's what's crazy. Here's what I think is really interesting about kind of where Oklahoma State has fallen in the rankings because you look at the preseason and you're like, okay, they've been okay over the last 10 to 12 years. But as the season wears on, Carson, I mean, look, look at some of their highest rankings in the polls. They go 
So I'll just go year by year. Seventh was their highest in 08, fifth in 09. They were Frank fifth in 2009. I think that was the second week after they beat Georgia. Yeah. And then lost to Houston. Uh, the tenth, next week. Tenth in 2010 when they went 10 and two. Second in 2011. 18th in 2012. Sixth in 2013. 15th in 2014. That was crazy. I think they started 6-0 and that year. Uh, fourth in 2015. That was when they started 10-0. and 10th in 2016, 6th in 2017, and then the last three years, well, 2018, their highest ranking was 15th. 2019 was their worst highest ranking uh, of, of any of these. They were, the highest ranking last year was 21st, and then this year so far, their highest ranking is 15th, obviously, because we haven't played any games yet. So the point is, they've had, like, they almost always rise as the season starts, and I think that makes sense, obviously, because you're playing some of these bad non-conference games. Uh, maybe the weird part about this is they haven't started the Big 12 off on, on the best foot in recent years, and yet they still recover and continue to rise up in these polls. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think that speaks to the consistency with which Gundy has run the program. And I think it is not unparalleled, but it's it's been – maybe underrated over the course of his career, even by Oklahoma State fans. Yeah, and it's been underrated nationally. I mean, I, I think all you got to do is look at the preseason rankings going through the years. I mean, OSU's always underrated nationally. I mean, you go to Vegas, their win total is always at least a game off because just for Oklahoma State, they just, for some reason, despite, you know, a decade's worth of being a national brand football-wise, they just, they, they're not viewed that way. I don't really understand it, but Mike Gundy's certainly built a consistent program. And obviously this year with two of the power five conferences not playing, that's going to help your preseason ranking. But no, Gundy does. It's amazing, Kyle, that you mentioned it, that he has a losing record in big 12 openers yet is still able to get their highest ranking inside the top 10 most years. That's yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Cause that it, sets you, that sets you way back. It, it really is because it, even if you go three and oh, and then you start out three and one by losing to tech or TCU or whatever, they, I, I, I should look. I should do a post on this. But their record, like between games two and eight in the Big Twelve over the last ten years, has to be just insane because they usually lose Bethlehem at the end, and they often lose the opener. But in between that, I mean, it's lights out. I mean, they're they're unbelievable. Whooping up on Texas during that time. <laughs> I know. I know. What what was the what was the over under for them this year? I haven't been looking. I think I think, it, I think it came in a little higher than normal. I think the, I think they had it at like, well, now that they're only playing, now that they're playing nine conference games and one non-conference game, I think it's changed. But I think what, back when they had the original schedule out, I think they were like eight and a half, which I thought was pretty respectable considering, you know, the questions surrounding Spencer Sanders. Um, obviously, they're loaded on offense and have all those returning starters. So they got a lot more respect this year. I'm looking it up now, but I think they came in with a little bit more respect. Because I remember one year, Kyle, the year they just annihilated. I think it was the first year with Whedon and uh, Kendall Hunter. Yeah, eight and a half was their win total. That's a pretty good number for, for OSU. Uh, the year that first year under Whedon and and Kendall Hunter, their win total was like six and a half, and they went like. Nine and zero to yeah. start the year. They were just well, they, kicking the crap out of everybody. Yeah, they went. I think they went uh, ten and one because they lost to Nebraska, the Taylor yep. Martinez game. Yep. And then they lost to OU at, at the very end. 
and then they won the Alamo Bowl. So they went, they finished 11 and two, but yeah, they, uh, yeah. A guy, a TV guy from Tulsa picked Tulsa to beat OSU that year. And <laughs> OSU was up like 50 to nothing at halftime. And I that had, was, to, that I had was to text the, him and be like, dude, <laughs> come on. Wasn't that the 3 a.m. game or was that in 2011? That was 2011. This was 2010 in Stillwater where <laughs> it looked like that OSU game in 2011 against Kansas where they just went up and down the field and had their starters out by the second quarter. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, okay, so a lot of preseason stuff going on or fall camp, however you want to say it. What have been some stories to you that have, have kind of stood out? Cause, I don't know. We, we get You kind of get like a template of the same stories every year. Oh, so-and-so is going to be really good this year. So-and-so gained a lot of weight. So-and-so is a lot faster. You know, there's all these different things that, that kind of come out of fall camp. Has there been anything that has kind of caught your eye of like, oh, that, that's interesting. That, that's something maybe I didn't expect or I, I wasn't, uh, maybe wasn't prepared for? Heck yeah. I'm concerned about the offensive line, aren't you? I mean, Bryce yeah. Bray transfers, Jacob Farrell transfers. I mean, look, this offensive line was going to be pretty good this year. And then boom, two transfers before they even play a game. I'm, I'm very concerned about the offensive line. I mean, it's, it's not like they've had a bunch of All-Americans there lately anyway. Now, Tevin Jenkins is certainly a really good player. Uh, I, I, I do like the way Charlie Dickey's coached them up, but that's probably the number one concern on the team now, don't you think? Yeah, especially because I think we all agree that Spencer Sanders' play this year is going to determine the difference between well, – how many games are they playing? Ten? Ten, yeah. Determine the difference between going eight and two and six and four, right? Like, and, and so if you're trying to give him every opportunity possible, that's not a great way to go about it by, by losing depth on your offensive line. And especially, I mean, the Bryce Bray thing is not good. Was he not following protocols with COVID? Is that, is that kind of the word we were hearing? I, that's, I don't know what happened. That is what I, – I don't want to get too deep into allegedly, it. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, I don't actually know, but that's what people have kind of been insinuating, yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that either. That's just – that's alleged. We can't confirm or deny, but – it doesn't really matter. He's not on the team. So yeah. whatever happened, it's, it hurts the team. That's, that, to me, Kyle, is the number one storyline that's developed. And to me, a, a huge – you know, this team is so loaded with all you – know, 18 returning starters. Um, the defense playing so well down the stretch last year. All the hype around Chuba and Tylen. Well, they can't block anybody, Kyle. All their weapons aren't going to get the football. So that, yeah. that, to me, is a big red flag. And maybe the backups behind them will play well. but. You ask me what storyline I've been watching. That that's it. I mean, I, that's a big concern. And also, you mentioned Spencer Sanders. I mean, he runs around a lot. Got hurt last year. Uh, if he goes down, who's playing? That's my other question. I mean, I guess Shane Illingworth step right up. Who's the backup quarterback? We don't even know that at this point. Uh, does it surprise you that Mike Gundy hasn't named a backup quarterback? No, but I mean, I'm just looking at the <laughs> roster. I, I don't know. It's all freshmen behind him and then a uh a juco guy that i don't even know if he's on scholarship i mean i don't even know who these guys are all <laughs> freshman 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 redshirt sophomore like can you pick any of these guys can you tell me what number these guys wear sean taylor redshirt freshman i think he's number Texas. i think he's number 10 no wrong 18 <laughs> shane, shane illingworth hadn't played it down 16 okay you knew that because he's a hyped up recruit and I, I really like the way he looks but 
Peyton Thompson from Tulsa Union. Speaking of Tulsa Union. How do they have somebody named Peyton who doesn't wear who who somebody else is wearing 18? Should yeah. 18? Well, you could wear 16, Peyton's college number, if you wanted to go super deep dive. But he's yeah. number 14. Okay. And he's a redshirt freshman from Tulsa Union. I, <laughs> I hear he's pretty good, actually. He's for a for a non-scholarship guy, he's a really good player. Uh Nolan McLean, freshman, North Carolina. He's the he's the baseball kid. Okay, what number is he? I don't – 11? Yeah, I mean, yeah, 13, wrong. Uh, Ethan Bullock, <laughs> redshirt junior from Orlando from South Dakota State and he, some he, other place. He feels like a 6 or a 8. 6! There we go. Got it. And then yeah. Spencer Sanders. Like, not a real murderer's row there behind Spencer Sanders after having, you know, all the quarterback controversies with, with Corndog, Drew Brown, all that, and Spencer Sanders. I mean, I, I'm – I'm worried about the offensive line, Kyle, and I'm worried if Spencer Sanders goes down again running around. I like Ellen Worth. He looks like a baller. He's huge. He's, what, like 6'5"? I, 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 yeah, tall quarterbacks, I, I can't help myself, right? Like, uh, even, even when uh, – what's his name that's at tight end now was playing quarterback. Um, who am I trying to think of? Oh, I'm having an old man moment. <laughs> this is great radio. <laughs> what? How? This is this is going to make me very angry. <laughs> Jelani Woods. Gosh, I didn't even have to look at. I just came. Even to even when he was playing quarterback, and you're like, I don't know, the footwork uh, doesn't move around great. But I'm like, ah, the arm. Like, look at him. He's like six nine. Like, I snap it to him. I run. It. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you're like 6'6 and a quarterback, I'm like one of my, one of my all-time favorites, Matt Jones, Arkansas. Remember him? He was great. He was I loved so him on NCAA football in the video game. For- he was so good. Um, okay, so I, I think my – I don't know if it's number one, but one that's really stood out to me is Trace Ford. And so you look at his uh, – who wrote this? Marshall Scott wrote about how um, – Jim Knowles said Trace Ford's like going to be an All-American, right? He's, he was 6'3", 227 last year. Now he's 6'4", 248. And you think about how disruptive and how good he was last year. Remember how, uh, remember how Mike Gundy was like, yeah, I saw him steal a couple of bases in an, in an, in an Edmund baseball game. Really liked it. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, that – that was what got you. It wasn't the you know him being a freak on the football field. So. It wasn't that edge rusher just <laughs> murdering high school quarterbacks. So I don't know. I, I'm really excited about. He, he was so he, he was such an X factor last year, kind of in the way that you hoped or maybe expected from somebody like a Calvin Bundage, who obviously didn't play last year. But Ford is just somebody who you can play him at a bunch of different positions. He seems more disciplined than Bundage and. Yeah, I'm really excited about him. I, I think his next three years have an opportunity to be pretty special. He is easily, in my opinion, the most exciting defensive prospect they've had since Emmanuel Ogba. I mean, are they going to be? Are, are they going to be like really good? Is this like 2013 type defense? I don't think they're going to be as dominant as 2013. I certainly think they should be top three in the Big 12, which they rarely are. Uh, I, to me, I I do think they're 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 very good, right? But I don't see them as being a dominant defense the way the 2013 was. I think they're very good across the board. They're very 
they're they have a lot of depth. They're good across the board, but they're not elite across the board. If that makes sense, I think well, Trace Ford is an elite playmaker. Yeah, I think Calvin Bundage is a big X factor coming off the edge as well. They, I think they certainly Kyle could rack up sacks and takeaways, but I do think they could give up some big plays because of the secondary. I mean, we don't well, know who's playing corner stuff like that. I was going to say, I, I think the difference for me is probably the secondary. I mean, you had you had a top ten pick at, at corner in thirteen. And you had uh, – was Kevin Peterson the other corner probably that year? I think so. So you had some guys that were like pros, like legit pros uh, playing cornerback. And so I, I, I do think for me that's the difference. Although I think you can make the argument that, that the, the line, at linebacker and defensive line, um, I, I don't know if they're stronger, but I, I think you could make the case that they are, especially at linebacker with Ford with – or what I don't know what position he plays. He plays all. He was like playing secondary last year. Some so he give him to whatever position group you want. And then safety. I mean, between uh, Harvell Peel and some of the guys they have back there, they're they're pretty good back there. I I worry about corner a little bit. Although it sounds like the Christian Holmes kid from Missouri has been pretty good in in preseason. So who knows? I don't know. Maybe they will be as good as thirteen. Yeah, they they certainly have a chance to. I don't mean to. Totally poo-poo that, but uh, one last note here on jersey numbers. Do you know what number LD Brown's wearing this year? Zero. Zero. I, I saw. Is this like a new thing? I've seen more and more players on on Twitter switching now, to number zero. That wasn't allowed before. I'm guessing. That's right. So you couldn't do the. Um, so who, who was zero in basketball? You had Byron Eason double zero. Uh, you had somebody who was who Russell was, Westbrook. Oh, yeah. He's the most famous zero. Uh, Damian Lillard wears zero. Damian Lillard wears zero? Yep. Huh. I think he wears it for Oakland. Uh, he's from Oakland. I think that's why. Interesting. So, yeah, it's it's new in, in college football this year. So, you can have zeros. I think LD Brown's a great zero. Like, I like him being zero. Well, he had seven. Seven's like my favorite number. So, tough call there. Yeah. The Tatum Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got any more number stuff? No, nah, I'm good on Jersey numbers. That's brought to you by Chris's university spirit. <laughs> uh, Mike Holder, I, you know, I mentioned the, the social distance seating that came out earlier today on, on Twitter from Kevin Clintworth, you know, Holder made a statement that, you know, look, we're only going to be 25% capacity. We can't accommodate everyone and they will, uh, they will offer refunds. So while we are fired up about football, Kyle, I think OSU's home. <laughs> home field advantage is going to be significantly lessened because 25%. And I think another thing about OSU Stadium, Kyle, is the, how tight those sidelines are. They're going to have to clear out people on the sideline. There's just not enough room there for people to be standing around. It sounds like your dog's fired up about OSU football. Yeah, he's ready to go. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, that's right. I, I, I just think, you know, and we've seen this, and I've been an advocate for it in professional golf where – you see the no fans thing, and it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, there are moments where you're like, ah, it'd be cool to have fans here. The Masters is going to be bizarre in November without fans. But I think that, you know, even the NBA stuff, you're like, ah, it's a little weird, but there are parts of it that I kind of like. You get different camera angles. Uh, it feels kind of more – it feels a little bit more intimate maybe because you've got – everybody's just kind of so close together. You can hear more stuff, at least watching on TV. It seems more intimate, but I think college football is going to be very different. Any, and professional, I think football in general, it, it just the way it's set up, 
might you have different camera angles and more stuff that is accessible via watching on TV for sure. But I don't think that offsets what you lose by having people there in person. Yeah. Uh, I think it affects college football more than probably more than any sport. Yeah. It's just I think that's such right. a part of the game. Um, so it's going to be weird. And I don't know if they're going to pipe in crowd noise with only 25% or not, but I do like the way the NBA's done it where, it's not just a dead, quiet, empty gym. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, Kyle, is the uh, – you mentioned the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten not playing. Well, the, the Pac-12 players are starting to transfer. Baylor landed a grad transfer offensive lineman from UCLA. And obviously Oklahoma State lands uh, Tay Martin from Washington State, who's really a good player, one of the most productive uh, returning receivers in the entire Pac-12 uh, from Washington State. So – an already deep receiver room, Kyle, gets gets pretty deep. And I think that's some insurance in case, you know, something were to happen to Tylen Wallace again. Well, and it, I think what's going to be interesting, and, and we don't – I mean, some of the stuff – I mean, Mike Gundy was talking the other day about how they don't know the status of Colin Clay yet, the Arkansas transfer. Like, I, I don't – I guess I don't understand – your first game's in, what, 16 days? <laughs> Like, yeah. like, what is the status of a Tay Martin? What is the status of these guys that transfer from the Big Ten to the ACC or the Pac-12 to the SEC or big, whatever? Are they in right away? Obviously, everybody gets a free year, which, by the way, Dylan Stoner is going to have, like, 37 years of college, right? So he gets – Another year after playing this year, extra, just like every other fall athlete. So, next year's next year's his Jason White year, his sixth year. God, and he, he, he so he's a senior this year, right? Finally, yeah, he, he's he was a freshman on what was the year they lost to uh, Central Michigan? Was it sixteen? Yeah, two thousand sixteen. Because he played in that Baylor game at Baylor that they lost. So sixteen. Remember they didn't they didn't they in the Central Michigan game like do that that uh, pitch pass to him on the goal line? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And, and he was a true freshman. It was like his third game. So they go, yeah. they goes he goes sixteen plays like four games seventeen eighteen nineteen twenty twenty one will be his senior year next year. That is the Jason White plan, isn't it? It's really crazy. But Spencer Sanders is going to graduate before he does or leave, <laughs> leave campus before he does. Uh, he might. Uh, but, no, the, the Tay Martin kid, uh, he looks good. I mean, I watched a little bit of his stuff uh, whenever – I guess it was on Saturday when, when he announced his, his, you know, transferring. And I think that, you know, you, you see some of the kind of rhetoric from guys like that, and it's like, oh, Casey Dunn, big deal. You know, Casey Dunn, great recruiter. But not, that's not me saying that. That's players that are coming to Oklahoma State saying that. And I think we, you know, we, you and I always talk about Casey Dunn in light of, oh, what can he do as an offensive coordinator? What can he do calling plays? How about, like, what he's already done with recruiting? And we've talked about that some, but I just I, – I think that sort of remains kind of an underrated aspect of the Oklahoma State football program. Absolutely. I mean, Casey Dunn's been – the best wide receiver coach in the country. And I'm, I'm super fired up to see what he can do with the, the offensive coordinator title as well. But uh, yeah, I think, I think at this point, OSU recruits itself when it comes to wide receivers. I mean, just look at the Blitnikoff finalists and, and awards. So that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to watch, but uh, um, I, I am curious to see how the, the PAC 12 and big 10 transfers play out. Are they going to be eligible immediately? Is it going to be just like once, you know, things are truly like the season's, 
you know, about to start, is it going to be mass exodus for players that are like, you know what, I'm missing out on this year. I'm going to transfer to the Big 12, SEC, name it. I don't, I don't know how it's going to play out. It's going to be chaos. Yeah. No, I agree. Okay, let's hear one more, one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we'll come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, what do you got? Big takeaway from from, uh, just the last few weeks. Uh, Cade Cunningham and I have the exact same signature. Really? Pretty much. You sign it, stuff. It, you it, sign it looks, stuff with Cade. It well, if you go to Mike Boynton's Twitter, he posted something about you know, you know, celebrating your brand or promoting your brand. It was a this phone thing with Cade Cunningham, and it had his signature on it, and it looked exactly like mine. I've always signed my my first name above my last name. And he just kind of scribbled it. So it really looks <laughs> exactly like I needed, I should have posted on, on Twitter, like my signature next to his. It was really kind of odd to, to look should, at. You should get into the eBay game, forging stuff. See how that goes. <laughs> yeah. I'll wait until he's the first pick. Thank you. Uh, I don't know if it's my big takeaway, but you saying that reminds me of how excited I am about Oklahoma State basketball. You know, I, I think it, it's gotten a little lost or buried in in all of this stuff you know is the big 12 going to play football is the sec going to play football and it's like hey we're three months from potentially the best guy in the country taking the court in gallagher iba it might be an empty gallagher iba but man i just i really 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 hope that they get to do that because it's a once in 30 years thing for for a program like oklahoma state so well, they get to play in the tournament? What about the appeal and all that? Tell COVID, are they going to be able to play in the tournament if they have it? Uh, it sounds like there's delays, which I, which I think is a good thing for OSU. Uh, and this is where I, I kind of talked about this at the beginning. I was like, some of the COVID stuff actually could work in Oklahoma State's favor, right? Because there is unknown, um, there is delay, all, all this different stuff. And, and Cade's like, just give me the – may just give me to june right for whatever program he's at and uh yeah i just i I hope they get to play it out because i I, i'm super excited to see how it goes well i'm super interested to watch what happens at lsu with their head coach allegedly paying 11 players if if they don't get the sledgehammer that that osu got or i mean far worse than what osu got uh, I'll be disappointed, but the NCAA has got a lot going on right now with, with COVID and everything else. I don't know how quickly they're going to get to that appeal. Yeah. Yeah, they so. do. Okay, Carson. Uh, we'll be back uh, probably next week to, we're about to have games to talk about. You know, we've been talking about antibodies and viruses and all this other nonsense. We're about to have some football to talk about. So hopefully we can get out of this fog a little bit, discuss some football 
um, talk about an opponent and make some picks. Feels like it's been 15 years since we made a football pick. So should be fun. I'm starting to get excited. I'll be really fired up probably next week, but uh, good, good to be with you again. Yep. We'll talk soon.